0: What is going on, sharp football family? It is your resident Swami of Konami, Rich Rebar, and we are here to do a little rookie roundup from the NFL draft last weekend. And you know, this will be more of a fantasy-centric show, so we'll mostly focus on the offensive side of the ball. We will talk some real football mixed in with these guys. Uh, You probably wonder why Dan hasn't introduced me, and that's because Dan's not here today. Uh, And I've actually tapped in and got a good friend and former colleague and a new hire at Sharp Football Analysis. Uh, and that is Raymond Summerlin. Ray, it's great to be back working with you. It's great to be back podcasting with you. I mean, h- how does it feel to be reunited?
1: I'm excited. I didn't know that you had started calling yourself the Swami of Konami, and so Konami, and so uh, that's a that's a big turn. So I'm very excited about I'm very excited about that new nickname. Like I'm I'm definitely going to change you in my contacts to uh, Swami of Konami. So that's uh, that's good. Yeah, no, I'm excited. I've, I've been here for a while. I let. I let the real football people talk about uh, you, you Dan and Ryan talk about the draft. Nobody wanted to hear what I had to say about that. But now we're here talking about the fake football, nerd football, drafting rookies, pretending like we know what's going to happen. All of that, all of that fun stuff. So now I'm here to give my terrible takes and uh, that are sure to be wrong. And hope for the best. So I'm I'm excited to be here.
0: Excellent, man. Yeah, I'll kind of let you steer the ship a little bit. How many uh, how many Dynasty rookie drafts do you have opening this week?
1: Uh, well, that depends on how early our good friend Patrick Darty actually. Uh, oh, that one gets, doesn't that, count.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> that, one'll, that one'll start in four weeks. Uh, but, <laughs> but the, uh, but yeah, no, I think I have, I have three going live this week. I have one that's already going. Uh, it was, it's an interesting draft. Like, it's a good league. Like, there's no, there's mm-hmm. no problem with the league. I am picking last in that league. Humble brag. That's fine. But the. The third pick in that league, and it's not a Superflex league, and I've, I texted you this, the third pick in that league was Bryce Young, which is, I, I it's so deeply confusing to me. And that might actually just be a, a place to start. We could start with the quarterbacks. Like, I get that this class isn't great, and we're going to talk about that a lot as we go through here, and especially after you get behind Bijan, and you know, it depends on how you feel about Gibbs and what his upside is. But if you're going to take a quarterback early in non-Superflex, Like, it has to be Anthony Richardson, right? Like, it can't be Bryce Young, right?
0: Yeah, you're going to want to try to tap into, like, that firewall at QB. And it's something I've brought up the last couple off seasons on the site and articles. Spoiler alert, it's going to happen again this year, looking back at the 2022 data. And it's just that we've gotten so really Swami of
1: Konami. The the (laughs) Swami of Konami is going to talk more about Konami. Uh,
0: Yeah, absolutely. But we've gotten really great at drafting quarterbacks in fantasy football. And it's really because of that sub archetype of quarterback, the guys that can get you the rushing and the passing season now together. And we understand like the players that are capable of those ceilings, uh, those seasons from like a top down perspective. So it's not like you can't squint and see it with Stroud or Bryce Young potentially getting there but like the guy is Anthony Richardson right and like there definitely is more of a you you have to hit like the ceiling apex outcome on his passing upside but he already comes in with that built-in floor that if you get the passing like even if it's just better than the baseline level he's got that ceiling to kind of crack that firewall of that top tier of guys because you look at the past 3 years QB ones and ADP are accounting for sixty-seven percent of all top six scoring weeks uh, that that have happened over the past years. Like we're just really good at diagnosing the players that have those ceilings uh, and have and are able to tap into that upside. So Stroud and Young, I feel like, are more guys that are, are more like fringes QB one guys. I feel like at their apex, they're gonna they're gonna give you a little bit of running, but these guys are gonna rely on passing efficiency first. And we also we all saw last year, even with a guy like Justin Herbert, who's like an elite passer. When you're relying on passing efficiency, it's fragile, and it can, and if you have just like a bad rate season, or you have some injuries around you, or everything or an injury to yourself, like Herbert did, all of the above, uh, the bottom falls out on those guys that don't give you like that just safe bed of rushing, and then they can also pass for some yardage now.
1: Yeah, and like I think you brought it up with with young specifically and also with stroud you know stroud we didn't see him do it in college i do think there could be some just Mm -hmm. that's the system i know you've talked about that before with young i mean you could certainly see him create with his legs like maybe in like a like a like a aaron Rodgers, russell wilson kind of way but you're probably not seeing that that high-end upside and you mentioned that we need with richardson we need the the passing to come through but like do we like Justin Fields last year. Like I mean, Yeah, not was- for floor. <laughs> exactly. Like Justin Fields went wild before he got hurt, and obviously that's a concern, but before he got hurt, like he was, what, was it four QB one weeks in a row or something like that? So yeah, I don't even think that passing baseline needs to be there if Anthony Richardson can be the the type of the type of special quarterback athlete that that we think he might be based on his testing numbers. And so, so yeah, so like, it has to be Richardson. If you're taking quarterback early, um, Young will probably provide you a lot more safety, but in a one quarterback league, who cares, right? right. Like safety doesn't matter. It It's just, it's not important. Superflex might be a different conversation. Actually, I'm interested in that because I don't play a ton of Superflex. Um, I'm not, I don't, I'm not particularly interested in that format. I think the only Superflex league I play in every year is Scott Fishbowl. And so I don't play a ton. I'd be interested to know, in Superflex, it are you taking Richardson first or is Bijan still the 101 in Superflex?
0: Yeah, I think there's definitely an argument. Uh in Superflex leagues, if you do have the pick 101, your cortex probably aren't good. I mean, if you're if you're yeah. if you're drafting there in that area. Now you might have had it there might be a, a team context here, like maybe you just ran into some injuries, like you had the Herbert fall apart or something last year. Things just didn't work out for you. If your quarterback room is still fine and you're good, like I can understand taking Bijan, but so many teams in Superflex are going to take Bijan that aren't ready to have Bijan on their roster, uh, that he's just not going to prove. It's like when Saquon Barkley was the consensus 101 in 2018, and so many teams took him, like all he did was kind of hurt your stock of getting like really good future picks, right? Like in the next years, like Saquon took you from 12th to like eighth in the league. Like adding him, and then you kind of burn out on his apex, right? That's so. So many, so many teams are sitting there, probably with one on one and super flex leagues that really aren't in a position to add Bijan Robinson. So you, you your options are either trade down or swing for the actual quarterback currency and upside up a player that can actually turn your entire franchise around. You know, if you had Jalen Hurts in the one two turn of a super flex league a few years ago. Your franchise is dramatically different than where it was at that point. But if you like I said, look at a lot of the Saquon teams that had Saquon 101 in 2018, a lot of those teams still probably aren't very good or or their their opportun- their fortune isn't turned over. So yeah, I definitely believe that Anthony Richardson is in contention for the 101 and Superflex Leagues. There is some nuance in, in team context, but in under that format, he presents the highest upside for actually like potential market value.
1: Yeah. Like, I mean, the quarterback is, so, that's one of the reasons I don't like super flexes because I think it goes from <laughs> completely undervaluing quarterbacks to completely overvaluing quarterbacks. Like there's no Goldilocks format yet for, for quarterbacks. Like we go from them being the least important thing for you to draft to them being the most important thing for you to draft. And i like there to be a little more middle ground. You do get a bit of that in best ball to be fair, but like I'd like there to be a little more middle ground there, but you're right. Like what does Bijan do for you? If, like you need the two quarterbacks. You need two good, two elite quarterbacks to win. And Bijan's not helping you do that. If you happen to get the one-on-one because you made a good trade two years ago, that's a different story and your team is good. That's a different story. Mm-hmm. But like, if you're trying to, if your team is bad, your options are, I think, trade back. That's the very rote, simple analysis. Trading back's easier said than done very often uh, in these leagues. Or you are you need to take the swing on the quarterback, but in normal one quarter, I say normal. That's offense. I apologize to Superflex fans for calling <laughs> for calling a uh, one quarterback normal. In in one quarterback leagues, um, uh, I mean it's Bijan all day, and like it's a different tier, and there's not even a question, right?
0: Yeah, I mean one one hundred percent. It's just like I said the, the the other thing, like the positional value. Then in terms of being able to impact winning leagues, he carries a lot more weight in in one quarterback formats than super flex leagues uh because you know as much as these running backs uh we don't really love them from a dynasty perspective and this the dynasty landscape for running backs is that probably at all-time level of fragility but due to committees and just not a lot of great talent coming in over the like in recent years, you know, you think about recent Round one running backs from the gap to Saquon, you know, guys like Josh Jacobs, you know, and, and Najee Harris, very good players, but like, not like apex winning. I should like I should pull back on the Josh Jacobs from last year. He was a league winning pick, but he was a league winning eighth round pick. Will he be a league winning third round pick? I don't know. Uh but yeah, he, he running back the running back position in Apex, running backs impacts one quarterback leagues. That's why he's there at the front compared to these wide receivers. And the quarterbacks get dinged in those formats, unfortunately, as well. Although, like I said, I do think that in one quarterback leagues, you can make the argument for Richardson to be maybe like the, the 104, 105, which I think 103 is a maybe a, a, st- a st- step too far in those formats. But I can definitely see it just because of the impact we've seen those, uh, like that firewall QB like impact actually winning leagues the past you know a few seasons
1: yeah i don't think i could put him ahead of mm-hmm. Bijan for sure i couldn't put ahead of gibbs i don't think i could put him ahead of of jsn because me neither like from a from a floor and potential upside especially if this is the last year of locket with the seahawks like from that perspective i i think i like him but after that i mean. Like all of the other wide receivers, even JSN to an extent, because of, you know, he's going to an offense that has DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett already there, but everybody behind, all the wide receivers behind him have real question marks. We can get to those later. And so if you're saying, I'm just going to take, I'm going to take a shot on who could turn into the best fantasy quarterback in the league, I think you can make that argument. I wouldn't. It's not the way I like to build teams. Mm-hmm. But, like, if someone took Anthony Richardson 104 after JSN Gibbs and Bijan, I'd be like, yeah, sure. Like, I have, I have, you know, no problem with that. I do want to mention some stats about Bijan because I don't like his situation is amazing. Like, he's going to a Falcons team that last year with Tyler Algier and Cordero Patterson. And, like, there were some times where they didn't have even Patterson. Caleb right? Huntley. Uh, yeah, at Caleb Huntley, like that that rushing offense was fourth in EPA per rush last year, was fifth in rushing success rate, was ninth in yards before contact per rush, and the offensive line is the same. They brought everybody back, and then you go look at Bijan, who was a yard creator himself in college, and so you're taking this yard creator, you're putting him into an already productive system. And you also add in the fact that they're already talking about his ability as a pass catcher. And like, this is, I mean, this is a smash spot and I guess you maybe get worried about Tyler Algier, but this to me feels a lot like Brees Hall and Michael Carter last year where we were convincing ourselves because Michael Carter had a pretty good rookie year. We're convincing ourselves that, Oh, you know, we got to be worried. Maybe Brees Hall is not going to get all the carries. And then we saw because Brees Hall was so good before his injury, Carter had, fallen out of the picture and so i'm expecting the same thing to happen here like if you're wondering why we're talking about bijan in this way as the very clear one-on-one that's that's the answer
0: the Parker next smith one, baby
1: yeah like that's that's it. um 102 gets a little more interesting like i think that's probably between gibbs and jsn in my mind it seems like it is to you so do you have any strong strong takes on that
0: yeah i think it just i mean listen i if you would have came from the future and told me Ch- Jameer Gibbs was picked 12. I, I wouldn't have believed you. Uh, I still probably would have bet against it. I was even, you know, kind of, you know, you know, thumbing around of like still under one and a half running backs going in the first round with him. I was like, man, you know, he could sneak into the first round at the end there, but what if those guys, you know, you know, take wide receivers, those teams and you ended up going 12, right? Just an absolute, just nut run out for him. And not only does he go, and they would 12, have,
1: allegedly they would have taken him what eighth where they were originally picking six were they originally picking? allegedly they they say they would yeah. have. Taken i mean brad him, holmes has stopped brilliant. talking
0: about it at this point like just it's already water under the bridge like they already took him like you don't have to keep explaining it to us or keep telling us like it's fine um but historically you know the the, the biggest influence and indicator of fantasy points years one through three that we have is draft capital it, it, it is a 30% correlation to years one through three fantasy stats among running backs. So just him getting that kind of draft capital alone is like a major signal. And then when you just factor in and layer in all the other run out, like he goes to the lions, a team that already threw to their running backs 21% of the time last year, the lions from a top down perspective, their target tree, they lose Jamison Williams for the first six games. They've got Jared Goff. They don't really have any other like great ancillary wide receivers. They've got some contributors in Marvin Jones and Josh Reynolds. They have a rookie tight end, who I love, Sam LaPorta, but he's a rookie tight end. So he's going to get a ton of target opportunities. He plays indoors on a fast track. He plays in a, in a division that doesn't really play a lot of defense outside of you know Green Bay. Uh, it's just an, it was just a great run out for him and his really only, his competition is David Montgomery, a guy who has been like a a, a fine NFL player since he came into the league. But like, it's not like David Montgomery can't just be like, and concede touches to a more efficient back. I think we'll see a little bit like Eckler, Melvin Gordon usage year one, but if Gibbs is that good, it will be hard to for the lions to kind of remove touches from him Um, he still is a little bit fragile from a year one stance, I believe, or maybe even his whole career stance just because his archetype is so touchdown dependent, you know, getting a run out like Austin Eckler or Christian McCaffrey, like these guys are guys that are flirting with 20 touchdown seasons, but they are very rare. Uh, those types of players, these sub 200 pound players that get goal line carries that get to do a lot of the dirty work. Uh, and we've even heard like the chargers and Eckler try to, like willingly open openly talk about it. like the last couple of years, like he's getting too much work and they need to pull back on it. So does he still get a high touchdown total? Cause Gibbs for fantasy is going to have a high floor for PPR, but the touchdown total is going to be the, the dependency of, can he punch up, right? Can he be like a true RB one? Not a guy that finishes his RB 10 in PPR, right? We don't want to look back in week 18 and say, I had the RB 10 and PPR because that means he just gave you a lot of like usable weeks. We want a guy that can be like the RB5 in PPR, the RB4, right? Because that means you're punching up and you're having big spike weeks, and that's what matters. It's probably the one only like kind of hanging element for Jameer Gibbs, but the draft capital, the landing spot, the pass catching ability. I mean, this is a dude that runs, he runs as fast as Tyree Kill almost. Like, you know, he's, it's just a great run out for him. Uh, something I wouldn't have foreseen coming, you know, a week ago.
1: Well, i remember when we were doing those draft reaction videos and like you looked shell-shocked in yours like you look like, <laughs> like you look like you look like i don't know you just found out your dog was sick like you were like i can't believe that this is happening um so i think like like you said the interesting question here is not whether or not gibbs is good and a playmaker like you just watch just watch like three runs three three times he gets into space against sec competitions and you go, okay. That's something different that we're, we're looking at here. I think you raised the interesting question about the archetype. And if we're talking about, you know, sub 200 pound running backs, to be fair, he was 199 pounds at the combine, but also he knew that he needed to be over 200 pounds and he only got to 199. And so like, how, are where, where is he actually going to play? You know what I'm saying? But if we're looking at this kind of sub 200 pound fantasy running back, bringing up Eckler makes a ton of sense. Eckler was 195 coming, coming into the league. Eckler even though he's only an inch shorter, like, doesn't he, this is all just like super tape guys filled with a Z stuff. You look at him, he feels more compact than Gibbs, right? Like he feels like he's a different kind of back. Um, It did take Eckler a a little bit of time to earn a role, but he was an undrafted free agent. That's much different than than Gibbs. But the thing that I look at at kind of their college production, Eckler was a workhorse at Western Colorado. He averaged nearly 25 touches per game. Last year was Gibbs' top, Touch and he got 16 per game. And so, like, that's a different kind of conversation. So, that Eckler mm-hmm. comp for me doesn't really work. Um, people like to comp him to Alvin Kamara because stylistically they look so similar. Alvin Kamara was 214 pounds at the combine. And if you're thinking about, well, Kamara was really efficient and that's why he had big fantasy seasons, that's true. But he averaged 266 touches per season um, from 2018 to 2020 and 18. Game And so in those glory years, he was getting a ton of touches. So we need Gibbs to still get a ton of touches to really be to justify this kind of high draft capital. And you can just look back to last year for a cautionary tale. You can look back to James Cook right? James Cook wasn't number 12 overall, but he was still in the second round. That's good draft capital. He had one 20-touch game, but then he had no more over 12. And then you look at what happened this offseason, they lose Devin Singletary, you think, all right, so we're going to get to see the full James Cook experience. And they bring in Damian Harris, and then they just signed Latavius Murray. And so we'll have to see kind of what his touches look like this year. But that is definitely a cautionary tale. In this draft class, I'm still taking Gibbs at worst third, because it is what it is but I yep. think I probably want JSN over him. And so that's kind of like the splitting hairs for me.
0: Yeah, I, I don't I don't really have a, a problem with that um, at all. Like I said, I mean, it, it, there is still some fragility. I know it's exciting and like I bumped him up. It was, you know, Gibbs was a guy I was more cautious on coming into the pre-draft uh, process because he was a compartmentalized player at Alabama, right? Like they used him in the same capacity. So I was like, an NFL team's going to draft that they're going to kind of discount that. And they did not. They did not draft that. It only takes one. But, yeah, I mean, you look at guys that were, you know, around him that he gets comp to in in terms of weight. And you got Christian McCaffrey was 202. But Christian McCaffrey was a guy, if you go back to Stanford, like you said, had that just elite usage at that size. Like he's, he's carrying the ball 300 times at Stanford. Uh, and so we knew he could stand up, and then obviously McCaffrey now he plays at like 212. I, I think in an article he had come out where he had the photos of him, you know, uh, looking all dapper, and, and he took a lot of heat for that. That a lot of people believe started the injuries that he started having, uh, his photo shoot for GQ. But the workload was there for those guys. I think you got to go back to maybe squint and see it, Reggie Bush, but the guy that stands out is CJ Spiller, right? Like, went pick nine, was 196 pounds, uh. And kind of never really got that full workload in the NFL. I think we had one season where we got the, see, we're going to give C.J. 2012, Spiller the baby. <laughs> glory, The
1: glory of 2012. Oh, it was amazing.
0: But that's kind of the comp, right? Like, that's the, the comp is C.J. Spiller. So there is high upside. He got a great landing spot. But there is still some fragility due to his archetype because he still is going to be touchdown driven. Because I don't think the Lions have a plan to give him 200 carries.
1: No, well, and like it's funny you mentioned Spiller. I wrote that down. Like 2012 CJ Spiller, he could just be that for a large chunk of his career because he is that special in the open field. Mm-hmm. And Spiller was too before I believe some injuries kind of caught up to him, which again is a concern that we're going to deal with here. And so maybe he's just 2012 CJ Spiller for 5 years in a row and then it completely justifies what where he's where you're picking him in the rookie draft doesn't still justify where the Lions picked him. That's a conversation for a different day. Yeah, that's a separate yeah, that's a separate conversation. But it is justifying where you were going to take him in the rookie drafts. And so that that's certainly there. That's an out. Him getting more touches in this new evolved NFL that we're in, that's an out. There's certainly outs here for Gibbs to to become what you would want him to become if you're taking him second in, in a rookie draft. Um, JSN, we've talked about him a little bit. The one thing I would want to say about JSN is that his 2021 was so spectacular. And he was doing that with two receivers who last year made cases for Offensive Rookie of the Year, and he was discernibly more efficient than those receivers in in the same offense. And then if you say, well, he's playing with those two receivers, so maybe that helped him, well, that's kind of blown out of the water uh, based on what he did to Utah without them in the Rose Bowl. And so JSN is so clearly the best receiver in this class to me. I wish he had gone somewhere where I felt more comfortable with his early career target opportunities and play time. But, like, it's not really a question to me. The question after that to me is who's the the second wide receiver? Do you kind of feel similarly about that? And if so, kind of who's your second wide receiver?
0: Yeah, I think that's what the whole process was. I think everyone largely had uh, JSN by himself. And, you know, there are still outs here. You know, obviously he's going to get there to not he's going to get to run with some really good wide receivers this year, but like Lockett could clear out like that stuff's pretty fluid. Right. And I'd have tend not to get really bogged down with that stuff in fantasy in the weeds, just because of how fluid it was. Remember when Jonathan Taylor was coming out, everyone was talking about, Oh my God, Jonathan Taylor is going to this elite offensive line. Like this dude's going to run for 2000 yards every year. And the Colts offensive line is terrible now. Like it's, it's not even good. So like that, those things are always fluid uh Jason could easily maybe be you can make a case where he actually leads the seahawks and targets maybe as early as next year right like that's there's a it's well within the range of outcomes uh and it also is a good signal that the seahawks may maybe are going to finally open the doors up a little bit other than they took charbonnet in the second round and then they doubled down back on old seahawks approach but it seems like they're going to get more three wide receiver sets on the field this year uh which is uh, a positive indication i think geno is one of the more underrated quarterbacks Uh, of the off season. And he's been an ADP. Maybe he'll spike now because people were worried about them drafting Hendon Hooker or Will Levis or someone, but yeah, wide receiver two has always been where it started for me. And I still, I've had Jordan Addison there. I still have him there. I think it was just a a, a really great, like we said, these situations are fluid, but it was a great immediate landing spot for him to just be able to kind of do his thing outside of Justin Jefferson, because Addison, the knock on him is, was he going to translate to be like an alpha in the NFL? I think the answer was probably no. He's probably a guy that is a, a better wide receiver two than a wide receiver one. And he gets to just go do that uh, in a really good system. We know we saw last year is effective. We don't want to know what the quarterback situation is going to be like moving forward. Is it Kirk Cousins long term or not? But this is a guy that's going to a great system. He doesn't have to be a wide receiver one. Justin Jefferson's going to clear out tons of space for him. He can just kind of go out there and, and play good football. And that's what he's been on, on the football field the, last, the past two years. Uh, we make we, if you listen to this podcast, we have talked ad nauseum last year and then through this year. When when you watch Kenny Pickett's tape last year, when everyone was on Kenny Pickett, like the only thing that stood out to me was Jordan Addison. I was like, well, that guy's really good. And he, you know, here here we are, you know, uh, seeing him drafted in the first round, you know, this year.
1: Yeah, and he's my two as well. And what's weird about it is, I think you remember this. He's not my kind of wide receiver. I am, especially this early in a rookie draft. I am much more interested in the Traitsy wide receivers because I think that that's where the upside comes from.
0: Right. They're not here though.
1: (laughs) They don't exist is the problem. (laughs) And, uh, and so, yeah, I think that you look at him and first of all, his athleticism is probably being a little undersold because we size adjust everything, which I get why we do that. Size adjusting is smart. and makes a lot of sense. Uh, but as I said last year about Traylon Burks, um, at some point you have to just run faster because like corners don't run slower, just behind you, just because you're a big guy. And so ultimately if you can run or not is it's still important, even if we're size adjusting, that's just a little pet peeve I've discovered over, like don't get caught up in Dante Moncrief again. Uh, that's yeah, the one yeah. I always come back to like, that's just something to think about. But yeah, I mean like he, he's going into, first of all, he was hyper productive in two different systems in college. He was hyper-productive with Kenny Pickett at quarterback, at Pitt, and not really much else around him. He he has already done it so much that even if I'm looking at some of this, like, can he be a number one? Maybe he can't. But I'm looking at him saying, he's done this already. And then you look at the situation. I mean, Adam Thielen was bad last year. I mean, sorry, Panthers fans. Uh, I know that you're going to rely on him. We can talk about Jonathan Mingo later. But like he was bad last year. He still drew 107 targets. Those are now gone. KJ Osborne is going to be competition for that number two role, but I mean KJ Osborne has never proven to be more than a tertiary receiver. the The Vikings probably won't throw as much this year because they probably won't be involved in as many shootouts. But if you look at their situation neutral um, pass rate, it was still fifty six percent. So like they're going to throw a lot and. He's just going to a, a good passing offense. He's not going to have to be the number one. He might not even have to be the number two target because that's probably TJ Hawkinson. And I just think it's he has a path to 100 targets and a good passing offense, and he's been good. Like, they, it really it feels that simple to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm feeling a second in the NFL in routes run last year. Uh, yeah. You said the game, envi- the game environments probably won't be as much of a bonanza as last year, but the, the opportunity is still wide open. Because when you look at the other first-round wide receivers that we had, the opportunity is not as clear, at least immediately. Uh, I mean, like Quinton Johnson could have some things open up for him after this season, and you know potentially Zay Flowers if, if you know Odell you know just doesn't come back. But you still have to deal with the Ravens now extending Lamar Jackson. Like they're just never going to be a high volume passing offense either. So as much as you might like Zay Flowers and the fit with Lamar Jackson from a real NFL stance, from a fantasy stance, it's not very good. It's, it's not very good. And those are the guys where you're talking about coming off the board in dynasty after that. So I think that that's pretty much where I feel really good about those top four guys we talked about. And that's where I start to layer in. It's like, man, is this a spot where I would consider Anthony Richardson in one quarterback leagues? Right. Uh, so that's, that, that, this is kind of the inflection point.
1: Yeah, no, I, I would have Anthony Richardson behind Addison cause I feel pretty good about him, but yeah, like, Quentin Johnson, you you and I have talked offline about this. I don't know what to do with Quentin Johnson because he's. You say, well, he's a bigger receiver, um, the big receiver in this class. But first of all, he's not that big, and also he's not that heavy, and also he doesn't play like that. He's was under fifty percent in contested situations. He ran a four-five. He did great in the jumps, but you look at his three cone, and it was awful. And like that, to me, makes matters more for after catchability in the NFL than than. You know, the broad jump and the vertical jump, I could very much be wrong about that. Um, You know, he had a good, like, share of of the passing game in TCU his first two years, but his first big production year wasn't until last year, and most of that came in four games. He's going to, like you said, they could – he's going to Los Angeles. They could move on from Mike Williams. They could move on from Keenan Allen. After this year, the reality is they're going to have to if they don't move on from both of those receivers, they're going to have to adjust their contracts because mm-hmm. their their cap hits next year are unsustainable, uh, especially to keep both of them. But are we sure that they're going to do that? But then again, if they do move on from him, then Clinton Johnson is Justin Herbert's primary target in year two, and that's a great spot to be. And so I am I'm very torn on Clinton Johnson. I don't know what to do with him. I probably would have him behind Zay Flowers. Because I i like kind of what Zay Flowers to me is the Ravens ask themselves, what if David Devin Duvernay was good? And if they could use him similarly to how they've used Devin Duvernay, then that would be very interesting to me for Flowers. But like I could if you told me Quentin Johnson ends up being the best fantasy receiver out of this class, I wouldn't like I'd be like, okay, that makes sense. If you told me he busts, I'd be like, okay, that makes sense too. And that makes it really hard to draft him. Um, especially maybe over somebody like Richardson. And even for me, maybe somebody over Zay Flowers.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's he's still like the the glass half full case for him is still really positive. I mean, he's an early declare. He is one of the kind of like bigger wide receivers in context of this class, not context of like yeah. top-down NFL wide receivers. I mean, uh, you know, six two two oh eight is. You know, there was a time where we didn't think that was a big receiver, Uh you know, exactly. but when you, when you're compared to guys that are all, you know, 180, you you definitely start to look, look a little better. Um But yeah, he's going to play the first, he's going to play his whole rookie contract with Justin Herbert, right? Like that's the big pro. Like his, his apex of his career is going to be attached to Justin Herbert. That's like the major pro with the draft capital, the early declare stuff. And you hope that the rest just comes together. He's a volatile producer. We've talked a lot about it. Uh, so like there is uh, probably a wider range of outcomes for him than the other players here. I mean, this was a guy that would just he would disappear. Uh, he had fewer than 50 receiving yards in half of his college games. The last time we saw him play, he only had three receiving yards. Like I'm someone that like I love when guys punch up against competition. I love, I think it's like a great indicator. Um, I, I, I would definitely weigh that stuff. It's not very, you know, objective and, but like, I love when guys can punch up and we saw him have his toughest task of the year last year and he had three yards. So don't really love that either, but yeah, it's, it's kind of a glass half full glass half empty scenario with him, but I definitely believe that there's, it's well within the range of his outcomes to be actually the best fantasy wide receiver out of these guys, which is why you have to kind of consider him like right in that area.
1: Yeah. And that's the problem. Like that is definitely within the range of outcomes and if that's what happens, then you're going to end up with, with a steal. I still think, like I said, I still think I'd take Zay over him. Here's the thing about Zay, it, Zay Flowers, is that you're saying, well, he's third on, he's fourth on the team and target pecking order as a rookie would be what you would think. Rashad Bateman has played 18 games and two seasons. Odell Beckham didn't play at all last year and is 31. Like, there is a real scenario here where he's actually the number 2 target behind Mark Andrews in this offense and if that's the case then the volume concerns you have about this passing game become much lower um i like him like in this offense to to get him moving get him in space get him vertical shots off of play action like we'll see what Todd Monken changes this to but that seems to fit pretty well with 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 Lamar Jackson I do think that Pat Coraine actually wrote a interesting thing about his market share numbers. His market share numbers at Boston College were good, but like the question is, was he just the best of a bad option? Corain didn't talk about this guy because he never would because he loves LaVisca Chenault, but like, is this a <laughs> LaVisca Chenault situation yeah. where he's just the best of bad options? I don't 100% buy into that because like if you watch Boston College last year, the quarterback play was awful like it was bad oh, yeah. like it was it was the packers draft their quarterback in the 5th round bad like it was the worst <laughs> quarterback play that that I watched when I was watching these wide receivers and so sorry Sean Clifford I, I I thought that I would stop making fun of Sean Clifford when he left Penn State but I guess that's not going to happen so the so yeah so I think that like a lot of these concerns around him like I think that you can explain them away I think you could look at this glass half full and say you know, maybe he's the number two option this year, and even if it's not this year, maybe it's it's probably next year behind Mark Andrews. And if this passing game is going to expand under Monkin and he's the number two option, then those those concerns you have about volume become much lower. And so that's why I think I would have him ahead of Johnson, but like Johnston, but like I like if you said I want I'd rather Quinton Johnson, I'd be like okay like sure yeah i mean they're Checks not me. you, you don't
0: have them outside of a different really really a, 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 a tier realm
1: yeah for sure let's move on that's kind of the end of the people i find interesting <laughs> <laughs> the first round like that's the sad part like we collected 2023 20, picks for so long thinking this was going to be great and uh yep grab
0: them 2023 20, picks they said no oh, man how's it looking now
1: and here we are seven picks in going all right i guess the draft's over um but it's not, there were some kind of interesting landing spots. Anybody kind of stand out to you that were people that are interesting that you probably moved up your rankings a lot based on, based on where they ended up.
0: Well, I mean, there's a couple guys I was really into and just hoping they got draft capital coming in. The first was Kendra Miller. Uh, You know, obviously with a running back class this deep, you're just kind of wondering like could this dude could be the RB four taken, or he could be like the RB 12 taken. Right. I think a lot of people are like that with like a banaconda, but Kendra Miller was my RB4 and he went RB4 in the draft and he goes to a, you know, a spot that definitely could open some things up earlier than expected. I mean, we could see Alvin Kamara get suspended at, at the, some point, you know, open the season. He can be running in, in a committee with Jamal Williams. Uh, Alvin Kamara could potentially be released after the season. The Saints can get out of his contract and he has more of an opportunity. Uh, Jaden Reed was a dude uh, I loved. I just loved watching him. Like, you know, I, I don't, Go tape grinder too much on here, but Jaden Reed was a dude that I just thought could outright play, and then the draft to see him get that kind of draft capital when I was hoping he'd go like maybe on the, in the third round uh, yeah. was was awesome. Obviously, we've got Jordan Love concerns and how many guys can Jordan Love support, especially when they add another pass catcher outside of Christian Watson, uh, Christian Watson and Luke Musgrave. Uh, but definitely love that, and then um, Sam Laporta going to the Lions. I mean, he he I was like really close to having sam laporter as my tight end one prior to the draft and i still didn't quite get there but to run out into that landing spot the lions we talked about i mean uh earlier with Jameer gibbs i mean good offense great scheme the lions threw to their tight ends inside the 10 yard line at the fifth highest rate last year obviously if you if anyone magically played shane zilstra in his three td game but uh, even outside of that you had brock wright scoring touchdowns yeah they use their tight ends near the goal line a lot. So I know rookie tight ends are not typically a bet to make in this rookie draft class. Actually, if you get, into, if you have a, like a late round one pick, you're probably staring down the gun barrel of like Dalton Kincaid and, Kincaid and Michael Kade. Mayer yep. and Luke That's affordable. Like, I've got them. Yep. These guys are the next best pass catchers. So I think the, the tight ends are better than the next group of wide receivers to bet on. Um, I will say my model a guy that I didn't really have like a great opinion on before the draft uh, was Rishi Rice. Uh, my model post-draft loves him. Like absolutely. He got like a huge bump for draft capital uh, and he looks really good. Like he looks comparable to guys like Zay Flowers from like a career perspective now uh, coming into the league as prospects. So like, he's pretty interesting. Obviously we've been stung by the chiefs uh, dra- stigma. You know, if you've drafted McColl Hartman, if you've drafted, you know, C E H, Uh, You've been burned a little bit, but I think he's not going to go in the first round. He's going to like lock in in that middle of the second round, but I think I want to be above market on him just because I want to trust, you know, my modeling and say like, yeah, I'm going to get in on him if people are going to discount it a little bit because the upside still is really there for Rishi Rice.
1: Yeah. So he and Mingo, I feel similarly about that. I kind of went into the draft going, yeah, they're fine. Like we'll Mm -hmm. see kind of what happens. And then you see, you see the draft capital that was spent on them. I'm going to be more interested in rice because he's attached to Patrick Mahomes in the chiefs. But I mean, Mingo is going to a, a place that, you know, has their new franchise quarterback. We hope um, has very little competition. I mean, like we've already talked about Adam Thielen and uh, you know, he's, he's on the downside of his career for sure. You know, I like DJ Chark and he, when he was healthy last year, he looked good, but I mean, he's had another foot surgery this off season, Right. We'll kind of see what happens there. Terrence Marshall, Visca, our good friend Visca, is there? Like Shy Smith? Like, what are you? What are you really worried about from a from a from a competition standpoint there with Vermingo? And you worry that all of those athletic traits existed in college, uh, and he was with Lane Kiffin, right? And he still didn't produce. That's a big, big red flag. But they that's a lot of draft capital they spent on him. And so I am, I'm interested in him. Like I said, I'm interested in, more interested in rice and it's kind of to your point, like you say, maybe they fall into the middle of the second round. I haven't finished the first round in my first rookie draft yet. So I don't know.
0: Mingo. Won't. Fine taking him a, what'd you say? I said Mingo probably will be right in that area with the tight ends that we talked about.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So like, I think that's true. I think I would rather rice than Mingo, but I think that they both fit in that kind of, 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th pick because what else are you taking there, right? Like you might as well take the upside on draft capital and specifically with Rice, you might as well take the upside on being attract, attached to Patrick Mahomes is kind of the way the way I view it. The other guy I think we need to talk about with landing spots because this was a guy that I planned to be fully out on uh, in in wherever he was going to go in rookie drafts, but now he is in Miami attached to Mike McDaniel mm-hmm. in a system that is definitely going to be able to use his speed. And that is Devin a chain kind of where, where are you standing on Devin? A. Chain?
0: Yeah, he's tough. Cause we talked about Gibbs's size, right? Like being one ninety nine, de- like yeah. basically towing the line of 200 pounds. Still a chains five foot eight, 188 pounds, yeah. but you know, he's fast, fast, like, like, yeah, like, like, you know, fast, four, fast. And like you said, like b- if you talk about things like speed score, it doesn't matter. He runs four, three, like, Four three exactly. is four three still four three is still faster than four four if your guy is heavier yeah. right like it's, it's yeah context. exactly
1: corners <laughs> again I just keep saying it corners don't run slower because you're big
0: they still right. run
1: fast so I don't I don't get it
0: but you gotta love the fit though I mean you look at way he was the way he was used in college I mean sixty six percent of his collegiate carries came on outside runs it was the fifth highest rate in this class. Uh, he averaged over six yards per carry on those he's actually a pretty good tackle breaker some of that is like uh, he gets a lot of yardage like long runs after contact like you know this is my one thing with yards after contact right is like well if you if you have like a 70 yard touch on run and you did break a tackle like uh, you know two yards past line of scrimmage like all of those get in- influenced into your your yards after contact and he has a lot of those types of runs right where he does break a tackler makes a guy miss like near the line of scrimmage. And then he goes for 45. Like that, that's what you're getting now. And you look at Jeff, Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert at age going on age 32. Like there's an opportunity here for him to maybe have a larger workload than we probably anticipated. But again, for fantasy, it comes down to like how many touchdowns can we get? Right. How many touchdowns is Devin A. Chang going to score? He's going to need him at that size. Like he's still not a guy we can like project to still have like over two hundred carries.
1: What I'm glad you brought up Raheem Mostert because it seems to me, and obviously Mostert is uh, a, a bigger running back, right? But I believe Mostert was still like in the 190s in at the in when he was coming out somewhere in that range. I don't know what he's listed at now. He's not a huge back, and like one of the reasons he was so successful when he got his opportunity in san francisco and when he was successful last year is because those those areas open up and he's just so fast that he can he can create these massive plays and now a chain's faster and so like like that that fit to me where we're getting a faster raheem Mostert, even if he's a little bit smaller a faster raheem Mostert who we've seen have absolute explosions in that type of running game like that that is very interesting to me and has made me be much much more interested in Devin a chain as a as a dynasty prospect yeah, so, especially if you're getting him in the second round
0: yeah so coming out of purdue raheem moster was five foot ten 190 pounds there you
1: are there it is i think he's probably bigger now it seems like he's probably- oh yeah
0: yeah yeah uh, definitely. He's definitely put on some LBs, uh, still fast. And, and honestly, you know, I, I put the article out every summer where we look at like running backs that are dependent on like red zone and not, and you look at Raheem Mostert, like his career length of touchdown, uh, is amongst the highest for running backs because he houses all those long ones.
1: Exactly. And like, like just think of Raheem Mostert running to daylight in a 49ers uniform, uh, and think that that could be a chain in a dolphin. Like, that's the way that I really like, it's in my head now. And it's probably it's probably uh, I'm probably going to be too high on a chain, but like it's a great that... name
0: too. I like I feel oh, I feel really perfect. good saying a chain.
1: It's perfect. It brings me back home to my uh, I grew up I grew up ten miles from Louisiana, and so it brings me back home to all the beautiful names that I that I grew up around. So I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm excited about it. Um, the other one that I want to bring up, and I this is a name I can't pronounce well. You're gonna have to pronounce it for me, but puka. How do you say his last Napuka name? Puka Nakua. 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 Puka Nakua. Puka Nakua like didn't test great, right? But he's going to the Rams who have nothing. Like, li- like, I guess Van Jefferson resides on a few of my dynasty teams. So hopefully that happens. But like, there's nothing behind um behind Cooper Cup, right? Like, that's a very interesting kind of opportunity spot for a guy that was productive in college
0: He is a, he's a guy that I was really interested during the draft process. I don't know how much fantasy upside is here, but he was a player. I was just outright fascinated with. Uh, so in 2021 only two wide receivers averaged more yards per route run in the nation than Pukunakua. Uh, and then no wide receiver in this draft class averaged more yards per route run than him. Uh, and he was third in the country overall. um, now he was also one of just three wide receivers in this draft class to average over three yards per run against man and zone coverage. He gets a, a weird amount of usage on screen passes. 25% of his targets are screen passes, but he also had a uh, depth of target of over 12 yards downfield. Very interesting prospect. And he gets handoffs like Debo Samuel too. Uh, he had 39 carries for 360 yards and five touchdowns rushing the past two seasons, kind of used like Debo a little bit. So him with Sean McVay is going to be interesting. Obviously, no team has been tormented by Debo Samuel more than the Rams. Like, go look at his game logs versus the Rams. Maybe <laughs> okay. Sean McVay was like, I need to get something to counter some of this. Uh, but he's a very fascinating player, and I was very interested interested to see where he landed uh, and what they can do with him because, obviously, we've seen them use Cooper Cup on those jet sweeps and stuff like that, and that could be a lot of Pupinokua. I don't know how much actual wide receiver – He's going to play year one, but if you watch his BYU tape too, this dude's making like toe tapping plays all over. He's making like phenomenal grabs, like all over the place. He just doesn't have like a huge amount of workload in the system. He didn't run a ton of routes, Uh, but he's a very fascinating player. I know what kind of fantasy player we have here, but I'm definitely intrigued by the player he is.
1: Yeah. And then like you pair that with the landing spot and you're just, I don't know, something to watch, especially as we get in the later round. There is some, I will say, you know, we're 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 talking about the quality of this draft. There is depth here, like the the upper, like after the first, uh, let's call it seven picks, isn't particularly exciting. But like you could be in the third round drafting somebody you like. Like you could be, I could be drafting Dwayne McBride there and be very interested mm-hmm. in what that turns. Yeah, out the running
0: like. backs, especially.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, another guy that that I like their landing spot and I'm going to be higher on. I doubt he probably makes it to third round. Chase Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, where Chase Brown ends up with the Bengals. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with Joe Mixon. He has a long history of, of being a workhorse back. He tested really well. You kind of pointed out in your your articles before the draft, which I'd recommend everybody go read on uh, on Sharp Football, the, the kind of you have some compiler concerns about him based on his underlying numbers. But, like, if you look at the situation, you look at the testing, you look at how productive he was able to be, like, I'm definitely going to be higher on him than consensus. And I'm going to end up with him on a lot of teams because that you put all that together. And he is a, he's a very interesting kind of second round dynasty pick for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I was higher than the field on him still too. Uh, I just question it. Like he doesn't do anything special, but does everything well. Right. And that's kind of all you need to be when you have attachment to Joe Burrow, if you get (laughs) in this Bengals offense, if you get that opportunity, uh, all those running backs, I mean, you can even squint and say, like, man, maybe Zach Evans has a better run out than we thought he might have had, like, landing behind Cam Akers. Uh, you Tank Bixby with Travis Etienne, right? Like, the Doug Peterson's been openly vocal about reducing his workload uh, off of last year. And, like, is Tank Bixby outright just going to be the goal line back in Jacksonville? Like, we that's a range of outcomes that exists. You know, I don't want to dump on anybody's parade that's spending – capital on etn and you know or it hasn't been a keeper league or anything but that's a range of outcomes that exist roshan johnson's in a spot where he's going to be able to compete for touches you know year one you brought up dwayne mcbride uh you know if dalvin cook were to get traded i mean alexander madison has not nearly been as good as a player i think as people that like the public thinks he's been so like there's an opportunity for him like as well to get you know usage like yeah it, it runs deep with the running backs they were gonna, ha- we're gonna look back at this running back class and see some guys luck boxed into some really good opportunities.
1: Yeah. Like I, like that's, that's the way to think about it. Like, I mean, Tajay Spears, like um, he's probably not going to get a a lot of touches as long as Derrick Henry's there, but you have to look at Derrick Henry's like usage history. Um, We started to see the efficiency slip last year. If the Titans are really bad, like can they move him in the middle of the year? Like the Panthers did with, with McCaffrey, like there's like, there's a lot of interesting kind of things going on in the in the kind of bottom half of of this. As for the wide receivers, I want to talk about this guy because I know you're going to be mad about the fact that I like <laughs> him and I'm in on him, and that's uh, Charlie Jones, AKA my boy Chuck Sizzle. Um, I know how you. <laughs> the only thing you ever bring up whenever I bring him up to you is how old he is, and I, I get it. Like he's old <laughs> enough to have seen the movie Armageddon in theaters. Like I understand <laughs> how old he is, right? but he's going to first of all he gets one opportunity to play in an actual competent passing offense and he smashes against big 10 competition that is important to me i know he was an older prospect and so you have to kind of take that with a grain of salt but he gets one opportunity in a good passing offense and he dominates it and is very good in it he tested really well and he's going to a team that almost certainly will not have tyler boyd on it after this year Mm -hmm. like with all of the contracts they have coming up, it is, it would be very unlikely that Tyler Boyd is a Bengal in 2024. And so he has a path to step right into that role, um, in you know 2024. Maybe maybe it doesn't happen this year. This is certainly somebody that you're you're stashing and hoping for the best. But like as you get later on into your rookie draft, he's someone that I find very interesting. And the other guy is Tyler Scott. I have no idea why Tyler Scott lasted to day three. I have no idea why Trey Tucker, his college teammate, was taken uh, ahead of him. Um, I wish he would have got day two draft capital, but he's smooth, he's fast. And Dane Brugler said, quote, he has Tyler Lockett upside. That is good enough for me to go and draft Tyler Scott in rookie drafts. So I'm, I'm very interested in kind of what he becomes, especially since what Darnell Mooney's out of contract after this year, right? So I am I am very interested in, in what Tyler Scott
0: yeah, like those. I, I mean, Charlie Jones was my biggest – he was my biggest rise riser post-draft uh, for draft capital and landing spot. I would assume he's going to outright be the kick returner, too, year one, yeah. which gives him a roster spot. Um, whereas, you know, the, the Greek god they took, you know, in the sixth round, uh, Io Shivitz, uh, yeah, the Princeton yeah. – yeah, uh, he probably is going to get redshirted, right? Like he he probably has redshirt 2023 20, rookie season all over him and maybe can make a fight for rosters like actual snaps next year. But I would assume Charlie Jones is the, out, is the kick returner from day one for the Bengals. And so he's dressing on game days. And one injury, and the, all three of those wide receivers have missed time the past two years. All of Chase, Boyd, and Higgins have missed time. Uh, and we, that, that underbelly of that roster depth has been kind of exposed with those guys off the field. So, I mean, Hey, just, it just takes one. Cause I assume he's going to be dressing on game day as the kick returners, uh, as the, as the kick returner. So, Hey, there's an in, uh, let's bring this home though with a cut. Co- we got to talk about the rookies that impacted a couple spots here. Uh, the first one we got to talk about is pour one out, double pour one out for people about the Zach Charbonnet pick. Like this, it, we. I was, we to- I
1: was trying not to talk about it. Like I don't even want to. It's so sad because yeah. we're getting. So not only is Zach. So I wasn't super high on Zach Charbonnet, but like he was the third back. Yeah. Um, and it could have been interesting. I think that his pass catching upside is overstated, given how he was used in college. Um, mm-hmm. maybe that maybe he gets better at that. Um, it's kind of a Roshan Johnson situation in that regard. By the way, they have very kind of. I view them kind of similarly as pass catching options, but the, but you think, all right, he's going to go to a place where he can get some carries now. Like he's going to a place where if he's getting carries over Kenneth Walker, something bad has happened. No matter what Pete Carroll has said, Uh, Pete Carroll says they're going to compete. (sighs) Kenneth Walker is a better player than Zach Charbonnet. I feel very confident in saying that. And so like, are they going to split carries? Does it kill Kenneth Walker's value? They brought in Kenny McIntosh. Uh, Is he the third down back now that they've lost Travis Homer? Like it's a nightmare. Like it's an absolute fantasy nightmare. There's no other way to say.
0: Yeah. I mean, you look back at uh, Kenneth Walker's rookie season. He was exactly as advertised as a prospect, Uh, you know, boomer bust runner, uh, you know, you know, 12% of his runs came on runs of 10 or more yards. That was 17th among all running backs, 50 or more carries. But out of those running backs, I mean, he was 60th in in carries that failed to gain yardage, 60th in success rate, and Pete Carroll in every commentary about Kenny Macintosh and Zach Charbonnet was about you know getting those guys used in the passing game. Now I'm with you, Charbonnet was like a baseline receiver, like he just caught the ancillary targets, right? Like he, it's not like he was running wheel routes or doing anything special. He just caught checkdowns and did stuff. But when you look at Kenneth Walker's rookie season, he was one of the worst graded receivers out of the backfield amongst running backs at the position so like this totally there's a major signal here that the seahawks are not going to just throw him out as a bell cow like he was to close the end of last year and if he's going to be a volatile splash play runner that's not catching passes like that's rough for fantasy to like live on especially when you compound adding jsn and maybe they just outright throw more anyways this season yeah uh just just from a top-down perspective like really Hurts Kenneth Walker. Uh he was a guy that was going in like the second round of early, you know, best ball drafts. It nukes him, it nukes Charbonnet in the process. Cause you know, Charbonnet, like you said, he, he's not he doesn't offer as much upside as a runner on a per play basis. But he also could, what if he the Seahawks start to view him more consistent as a grinder, right? And if they they know that Walker has the his strikeout running style, what if they bring Charbonnet in to be the short yardage back? Yeah, like because exactly. it, it's it's gross, man. It it absolutely hurts. And The one thing we got to talk about too is as excited as we are for Anthony Richardson for fantasy, this kills Michael Pittman, man. This absolutely kills Michael Pittman. If anyone's holding on to hope uh, one, historically wide receivers that play with rookie quarterbacks have a massive drop off. And I've written articles on this before. We saw it last year with Deontay Johnson, even first round quarterbacks, like the average wide receiver loses for the first round quarterback, loses a a point and a half per game off of their prior season average. Michael Pittman already wasn't good last year. So maybe you're using his baseline. (laughs) Say, can it be worse than what was last year? Maybe we can squint and say, like, yeah, all right. How much worse can Thurston be, but you're also talking about him getting paired now with a, with a volume concern quarterback, like, if Anthony Richardson even starts day one, how much are the Colts throwing, right? How many dropbacks are they having? Probably a lot less It's going to be reduced because of Anthony Richardson and his running style. We see these mobile quarterbacks, what they do to passing volume. And then his accuracy issues, like we still have to factor in. So it hurts to say, man, we're going to be walking into Michael Pittman, final year of his rookie contract, and we're really not going to know what the hell we have, I think.
1: I agree with that. And what I will say is that we're coming off of such a bad quarterback performance for the Colts <laughs> last year. Like, I even bad Anthony Richardson probably isn't as bad as Sam Ellinger. I feel, right. I feel like that's <laughs> probably true. And so there is a little bit of that going on. But I do think, like, you're right. It's 100% a concern for him. I think, and this is a guy we haven't mentioned yet, I think Josh Downs is a concern for him. To me, oh, Josh yeah. Downs is a guy that gets open underneath and demands targets because he's open a lot if Pittman is going to continue to be used in the way that he's been used recently, and we'll see what they want to do with Richardson. Maybe this helps Pittman get down the field a little bit more than he's been used and, and kind of getting more of that intermediate areas where I think he probably could be successful, but he just like their, their, their quarterback situation was just so bad. But like, if we're allowing him to get into those areas and downs is underneath, like that's a concern for his target volume. Um, like it's, yeah, it's bad news for Pittman. It's bad news for Alex Pierce, who already wasn't efficient last year. And we're going to ask him to come be in this offense with this more kind of scattershot quarterback. And so you put it all together and it's, yeah, it's it's a big concern. But like, if you're going to look at the other side and we're going to try to be positive, I mean, you look at all of the running backs who we expected to get competition that that didn't. And like Rashad White is high on my list because I have him on so many dynasty teams that i have i have i was just watching just every box pick just praying that we were going to that we were going to kind of split that um so yeah so there were there were some positives to come out of it but i think that when i look at the draft that what happened to kenneth walker is like that's the number one that you go oh things are things are different now and i like i don't where are we drafting him now like He like you said, he was in the second round. Where, like, do we know where he's going in best ball mania drafts that have happened? Like, is it fourth? Like, how high can we draft Kenneth Walker now?
0: Yeah, I haven't done a post draft uh, draft yet. We have to ask our our resident, you know, expert Todd there. Yeah, Todd. But I mean, he took a he took a major tumble in projections as basically like a borderline, you know, RB two. Uh, And that's overall because you're not getting the receptions. This is full point PPR. Obviously it looks a little bit better and you remove some of the reception elements, but you're talking about just a gaggle of guys though, where you're probably be taking largely the cheapest guys. Like, um, yeah, it's, it's rough, man. He's probably going to fall that you hate to say it, but the dead zone, right? Like he's going to be in the dead dead zone.
1: zone. So I see him now uh, the new underdog ADP for best ball mania. It looks like he is 37th overall, somewhere in that range, and is the thir- or 38th overall and the 13th uh, running back. He's behind, he's behind Etienne, which I mean we've already talked about. There are some concerns with Etienne here. Um, he's behind Ramondre, another big winner from from draft night, and so yeah, that's that's going to be an interesting one. I am just kind of looking at this. This is an aside. I am very interested in the Brees Hall optimism that we all have here. Um, like we didn't learn our J.K. Dobbins lesson last year. Um, the way Brees Hall is being drafted is is interesting to me, given the injury that he's coming back from and, and kind of when it happened in the season. But that's that's a story for another day. That yeah. is uh, that is all we've got for today, talking about the rookies. Um, it was really good to be on here with you, Rich. I'm going to be on here coming up you know, more often as we get here through May and June, we're going to have to find something to talk about in May and June. Prepare yourself for a lot of, a lot of fake news OTAs reports and rookies reports that we're going to react to as if they're a hundred percent real and something we should be taking seriously as we're drafting, as we're drafting best ball teams. So be looking forward to that. Todd will be back on Tuesday and uh, we'll talk to you all soon.